I could hear footsteps going across the floor above my head. Someone must be here with me, but how did they get in? I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, I want to thank you for listening. And if you really like my stories and would like to show your support, you can buy me a coffee. Just go to the website, buymeacoffee.com slash myparanormal, and you can literally buy me a coffee. And hopefully, the caffeine will help me with making more episodes real soon. Thanks again for your support. I've talked a lot on this podcast about the different jobs that I've had throughout my life. But the one career that I always wanted ever since I was a kid was to be on the radio, to be a DJ. Listening to the radio was my favorite thing to do growing up, especially listening to the DJs. Growing up in Rhode Island, I got to listen to some of the great ones, like David Simpson, Lou Brutus, and of course, Casey Kasem. I wanted to be just like them. I even used to play DJ. With my little portable record player and my plastic toy telephone, I would take make-believe requests for like the same four songs over and over again. And when I got to college, the first thing I did was join the school radio station. By my sophomore year, I had gotten a job at a real radio station. And I went on to work at dozens of radio stations all over New England. AM stations, FM stations, rock, top 40, oldies, just about every music style. And I worked in just about every position too, from production director to promotions director, and of course, on air as a DJ. I'm never happier than when I'm in front of a microphone. And I used to work all hours too, afternoon drive, middays, nights, even the overnight shifts. And at one time, just recently, I had my own morning radio show for a few years. For close to 30 years of my life, radio was my career. But one of the earliest radio jobs when I was just starting out was as an overnight board operator at this old AM easy listening radio station. I was about 19, 20 years old. I was making probably $5 an hour. And my job was to basically play commercials and then reload the reel-to-reel machines every hour. I didn't get to turn on the microphone or do any talking on air. The DJ was pre-recorded with the music on the reel-to-reel recordings. Earlier in the day, that DJ would tape an entire six-hour show onto six different reel-to-reel tapes. It was a long and boring job, but hey, I was working in radio. Today, computers do that job. They call it voice tracking. And just a little spoiler alert, most of the time when you're listening to the radio, especially overnights, middays, and on the weekends, the DJs that you're hearing aren't really there. 
he or she most likely recorded themselves DJing a day or two earlier. And the computer automatically plays all the DJ breaks and music and commercials together, making it all sound like it's live. So I guess you could say I was the voice tracking machine before the invention of computers and automation. There was another reason I had to be there too. Back in the day, radio stations were required by law to always have at least one person in the studio at all times, 24 hours a day, just in case something happened, something that the public would need to know about. Things like seriously bad weather, you know, a tornado or a hurricane or a blizzard, or other emergencies like an earthquake or a tsunami, or believe it or not, a military attack. See, these rules were made when nuclear war was a real concern. So basically, if there were missiles coming our way, it was my job to go on the radio and tell you about it. These days though, everything's automated. We have a system called the Emergency Alert System, or EAS, and our government has the ability to just cut into any broadcast or radio or television show and relay important messages to the public. They can even do it on our cell phones. Ever get the poop scared out of you when one of those amber alerts comes over your phone? Well, that's the same system. But in the old days, before all of this digital technology came along, radio stations were the main way to get important information out to the public. So there had to always be a DJ on hand. And in every radio station on-air booth, there would be a special telephone. It was always some old red phone collecting dust in the corner. You couldn't use it to make phone calls or take requests. We had separate phones for that. This telephone was strictly for what was called the emergency broadcast system. If there was an emergency, some government official would call and give the DJ on duty a specific set of instructions. And there would be a special book in the studio too, with a sealed envelope in it. And at the mystery phone man's direction, you would open that envelope and read him a specific code. Once it checked out, he would give you the instructions on what to say on the radio about whatever the situation was. It was rare that that phone would ever ring. And in all my years of working at radio stations, I've never had an emergency happen while I was on duty. The only times I've ever heard the phone ring was when the mystery phone man was doing a random check just to make sure someone was there. And the phones all had that loud, creepy, old ringing sound, you know, like phones in horror movies. You wouldn't think being alone in an old radio station out in the middle of nowhere would be scary, but this building was big and old. Everything in it seemed to creak and squeak. And all the lights would be off too, since I was the only one there. And this radio station, like many old stations, had the transmitter located in the building. It was in the room right next door to the on-air studio. And you could literally see and hear all the beeping and flashing and buzzing of the huge transmitters in the room. And randomly, out of nowhere, you'd hear these big bangs and clangs as things turned on and off. 
Eventually, you'd get used to the noises. But then you had to deal with the overnight shift's worst enemy, boredom. It's hard enough to stay awake from midnight until 6 a.m. But doing it in a big empty radio station was torturous. Now think about it. There was no internet back then. No computers or cell phones to play games on. Even television sucked. You could only get maybe two or three channels with the rabbit ears. And they all used to go off air at about 1.30 in the morning. There was nothing but static for most of the night. So I would often just sit there, reading magazines or newspapers and drinking Cokes from the soda machine. Sometimes, my adventurous side would take over. And I'd go sneaking around the station, exploring, snooping. The building was pretty large. It had two floors. The on-air studio was on the main floor. It's what you would picture an old radio station's studio to look like. It had a big board with lots of lights and buttons on it and lots of audio equipment on counters around it. And the walls were lined with soundproof foam and shelves with carts that had the commercials recorded on them or music recorded on them. And on one wall, there was these shelves from floor to ceiling with hundreds of records. Like I said, this was back in the day. That loud and crowded transmitter room was right next door. And there were a couple of smaller studios nearby that were mostly used for making commercials and other audio stuff. Around the corner was a small kitchen with a sink, a stove, a coffee pot, and a refrigerator, plus a small table with chairs where some employees probably ate lunch now and then. I mostly got my snacks from the vending machine. Now down the hall from there, there was a couple of small locked offices. And then that led to the front lobby where the secretary would sit during working hours, answering phones and greeting guests. On the other side of the hallway were a couple of restrooms and a set of stairs that led upstairs to a suite of cubicles for the salespeople. And there was a meeting area and a couple more small offices. Everything in the entire building looked old and musty. The walls all had cheap wooden paneling. The rugs hadn't been replaced in probably 20 years. And there were weird plaques and signs and decorations all over the place. Most of the time on my excursions, I'd walk around and do things like raid the refrigerator for snacks or rifle through the secretary's desk looking for candy. But occasionally, I'd explore upstairs, even though I wasn't supposed to be up there. But there was never anything really to do or see up there. I was mostly just being nosy. I'd rifle through people's desks or try some doors and see if they're unlocked. I think I just liked the spooky factor of being alone in the dark in this place. At least until one night. It was about three in the morning. I'm alone in the radio station as usual. And I had already read every magazine and newspaper I could find. 
the big band music on the reel-to-reel machine was turned down low because I was already struggling to stay awake as it was. And out of nowhere, there was this loud banging sound. It was coming from the lobby. Is that someone at the door? Maybe it's another employee who forgot something at work or is coming in early. Or maybe it's some crazy person trying to break in. So I walked around through the kitchen and into the dark lobby. I had no idea where the light switch was, so I just went to the front door and looked through the window. The parking lot was empty. No cars except mine. And there was no one out there either. Maybe it was just the wind. I went back into the studio and started pulling commercial carts to get them ready for the next break. And then there was another loud bang. This time, it was coming from upstairs. Was that a door? I stood there motionless, just trying to listen over the beeping and the buzzing coming from the transmitter room. And then I heard footsteps going across the floor above my head. Someone must be in here with me. But how did they get in? I went back around through the kitchen and down the hall to the staircase and looked up into the darkness. Is someone up there? I yelled, hoping to get a response. No one answered, so I asked again. Hey, who's up there? Still nothing. Surely if someone who worked there was in the building, they'd at least come to the studio and let me know they were there. So I just stood there at the bottom of the stairs, contemplating whether or not to go up and have a look. And then I noticed a light switch on the wall. So I flipped it on, and a light bulb above the stairs lit up. So I slowly walked up the creaky stairs, listening for movement. When I got to the top, I stopped and looked around. Everything seemed to be in order. Is anyone up here? I yelled it out one more time, but still no response. Then another sound, a door slamming shut, this time from downstairs. What the hell is going on? I ran back down thinking maybe it was someone looking for me. I headed back down the stairs, through the hallway, and into the kitchen, and then I stopped in my tracks. I was completely frozen as I stared at the door to the on-air studio. It was closed. I didn't close it. I never close it. It's a big, thick, heavy door. There's no way it closed on its own. Then I noticed the speakers in the kitchen that play the radio station weren't playing any music. It was just dead air. Oh my god, the reel-to-reel tape ended. I burst through the studio door, not caring who or what was in there, and quickly loaded a commercial into the cart player and pressed play on the board. As the first commercial played, I loaded in the next five, hoping 
I got them in the right order. Then as fast as I could, I removed the finished reel from the machine and installed the next one, carefully but quickly threading the tape through the player heads and onto the empty spool. As the final commercial began to play, I readied myself and pressed play for the reel-to-reel -reel machine. And the next hour of music began to play. A few minutes late. And hopefully, no bosses were listening. I sat back down in my chair, practically out of breath, totally forgetting that someone or something had closed that door just moments earlier. I looked around the room, but to my relief, nothing seemed to be out of place. So I headed into the transmitter room to write down some transmitter readings as I'm required to do every hour. When I finished, I left the room and there it was again, footsteps, walking across the room above me. There has to be someone up there. And then I realized, oh no, I left the light on over the stairs. I'm not supposed to go up there. I'm going to need to go shut that off. So I slowly made my way through the kitchen and down the hallway once again. But as I approached the stairs, I couldn't believe what I saw. The light was off. Wait, did I shut it off? I was in such a rush. I decided to yell up the stairs one more time. Is anyone up there? I was literally getting chills as I listened for a response. And I could hear the floor creaking almost as if someone or something was standing up there. Why aren't they saying anything? Before heading back to the studio, I went back to the front lobby, took one more look out into the parking lot. Still empty. But I double-checked to make sure that door was locked. And then I headed back to the studio thinking to myself, I'm not getting paid enough for this. I settled into my chair and began to reread one of the magazines when I heard one of the scariest sounds I've ever heard. Is there an emergency? Is something bad happening? What do I do? It rang again, but I, I was afraid to answer. So quickly, I grabbed the book with the codes in it, and as it started to ring for a third time, I quickly answered it. Hello? Hello? No one was there. It was just static. So I asked again, Hello? Can I help you? Click. The line disconnected. Sat back down in my chair. I could feel the hair on my arms standing up. Total goosebumps. I turned up the music in the studio to drown out any more sounds. And luckily for the next hour or so, everything seemed calm and quiet. Until one more loud bang. But this time, 
It was a good one. I had already picked up the phone ready to dial 911 when I saw one of the morning news guys round the corner. How was your night? He asked. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash myparanormal, or just click on the donate button on my website at myparanormalstory.com. I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Unfortunately, podcasts cost money and your support helps me keep this podcast running. So thank you for your support. Please don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when I've added new episodes and feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. When you drive the brand-ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand-ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2022 details. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.